This is Blue Shirt Radio, brought to you by the Blue Shirt Bulletin, the only independent monthly magazine dedicated to your favorite team, the New York Rangers. Make sure to follow all their coverage of the offseason and the expansion draft and the NHL draft online at blueshirtbulletin.com. Greetings, everybody. I'm Jim Cerny. Great to be with you. I'm going to admit, we would have recorded this show a little bit earlier in the day, but the left side of my face was completely numb. I had root canal this morning, and they, you know, they numb you pretty good so you don't feel anything. So I didn't exactly want to you know, dribble down the side of my face and slur my words and all that and have you at home wondering what the heck is wrong with Cerny before Memorial Day weekend. Well, nothing's wrong. I'm feeling good. All is good. And again, yeah, listen, if hockey players can go through the playoffs with broken bones and separated shoulders and all that kind of stuff, I think I can grind through this week's podcast after visiting the dentist this morning. So listen, it's not about me. It's about you. Uh, This week, I posted a lot of questions on social media to you Ranger fans, and you guys have been awesome with your responses, detailed and passionate and answering the questions and taking part in the polls uh, that I put up on social media Uh, So we're going to get to that. That's going to be really uh, a large portion of this week's Blue Shirt Radio. Uh, We also have a very, very special guest, a man who is a member of the 1994 New York Rangers Stanley Cup winning team, a man with three Stanley Cup rings and five Stanley Cup final appearances on his resume. He's also coached in the National Hockey League, and he's currently... Uh, working on radio for NHL Network Radio on Sirius XM. And that's Greg Gilbert. He was a third liner on the 94 Rangers Stanley Cup winning team. Won his first two cups with the New York Islanders. And boy, the only guy that can say that. He has won cups with the Islanders as a player and with the Rangers as a player as well. Uh, pretty cool thing. He is He's a great interview, a terrific guy. And Greg Gilbert will join us just a little bit later on. And as I said, the, most importantly, we're going to get to Uh, the comments and answers that you provided to the questions that I asked on Twitter and social media this past week. We'll get to that in just a little bit. Uh, Tie up a couple loose ends regarding some news. Uh, And most of it's dealing with goaltending. Rangers prospect Igor Shesterkin, the 21-year-old goaltender who's been playing in the Continental Hockey League in Russia, uh, was named the first team all-star goalie in the KHL this past year. Uh, That news uh, coming over this week. And you know what? That is pretty cool. He played for St. Petersburg this year, appeared in 39 games. It was his first year as the starter of that team. 39 appearances. He had 27 wins. He was 27, 4, and 6, a minuscule 1.64 goals against, and a 937 save percentage. So, for all you Ranger fans out there wondering who might be the guy down the road, who's going to be the next goaltender? Well, indeed, maybe it's going to be Igor Shesterkin. So uh, congratulations to him on a terrific season and on that honor as well. 
And uh, there's one less guy among, I guess, the prospects, if you will, in the prospect pool regarding goaltenders in the Rangers organization uh, because Magnus Helberg has decided as an unrestricted free agent to leave North America. And he actually signed a contract in the KHL. So he'll be going over and playing against Igor Shesterkin next year. So Magnus Helberg, who spent two years in the Rangers organization, uh, mainly as the number one goaltender down at Hartford, uh, after being acquired from the Nashville Predators, uh, yeah, Helberg will leave the organization now. And and really, when you look at you know the goaltenders as as prospects, Helberg might have been the one closest to the NHL. He was the guy that would get the call to go up to the NHL when Henrik was hurt or when Antti Ranta was hurt. But he was never really viewed as a top prospect. Uh, you know, he was. He was a good AHL goaltender, but who took a step back this year as well. 295 goals against, 903 save percentage, uh, but he was the number one down there, appeared in 36 games, appeared in 53 games a year ago, um, and had a better year for Hartford last year than he did this year. Uh, Really, if there was one real positive for Helberg this year, he did come up did make his first NHL start with the Rangers late in the year and did pick up his first National Hockey League victory. So he does have something to kind of hang his hat on, if you will. But uh, Helberg leaves the organization, so that means uh, Brandon Halverson likely will be the number one goaltender next year with the Hartford Wolfpack, a guy who in his first NHL season, the first uh, or the second round pick, Appeared in 26 games and struggled even more than Helberg. 345 goals against, 887 save percentage. He's got a long ways to go. You know, at one point when he was drafted, he was considered, you know, probably the the top goaltending prospect in the organization. Well, he's got a lot of work to do, to say the least. Uh, Halverson's first year as a professional was, you know, extremely uneven, uneven performance. And again, didn't play for a great team down in Hartford, and that's part of it. They were not a good defensive team. But really, when you talk to people around the Wolfpack, uh, they'll tell you that that team was not good from the goaltending on out defensively. So guys weren't great in front of Helberg and Halverson, but they didn't help themselves either. Uh, A guy to keep an eye on for next year, and I know I'm going off on a little bit of a tangent here, is Chris Nell. Excuse me, Chris Nell, who uh, the Rangers signed as a free agent from Bowling Green, had a couple really good years in the NCAA uh, playing in the Western Collegiate Hockey Hockey Association. Uh, 191 goals against average a couple years ago, 930 save percentage. And then this past year, uh, 215 goals against and a 916 save percentage. Rangers signed him as a free agent at the end of the year. Uh, He appeared in four games, made four starts for Hartford at the end of the year, lost three of the four starts, allowed 16 goals in the four starts. Um, But keep an eye on him next year as well. He's kind of more of a contemporary of Brandon Halverson, and you'd have to think that Halverson will be the one Nell will be the two, but it'll be interesting to see how much Nell will push Halverson if Halverson doesn't progress a lot. So in any case, that, that's kind of the Ranger news, if you will, uh, for the week. And if you want to take it one step further and talk goaltending and talk news, Henrik Lundqvist helped Sweden capture the gold at the World Championships, doing so with his brother Joel, who is the captain of the team. 
Uh, and Henrik did it in fine fashion. Certainly played really, really well. Was terrific in the gold medal game against Canada. A game that was 1-1 after regulation, 1-1 after overtime, and Sweden eventually won it uh, in the shootout with Henrik Lundqvist making that one last final save and then throwing the arms up in the air. And then so many Ranger fans tweeted at me and said, oh my gosh, my heart sank when I saw William Nylander come sprinting off Sweden's bench and just like a pro wrestler jumping off the top rope. Jimmy Superfly Snuka, if you will, if you go back to those days, and basically pile-driving Henrik uh, onto the ice or into the ice, almost through the ice. Uh, He really got some height on that one. He got off his skates, and he nailed Henrik Lundqvist. But Henrik, none the worse for wear, and, and certainly congratulations to him. You know, my personal response to the World Championships is I kind of shrug my shoulders and I say, well... You know, not all the best players are there. It's nice competition. Certainly, if you're in it, you want to be, you want to win it. You know, if you play, you want to win at anything you play at uh, and you participate in. Um, But for Henrik, I'm happy on a personal level. I know it was a big deal to him. He doesn't know uh, with the uh, NHL players not going to the Olympics next year if he'll ever represent his country again. Uh, So he saw it as at least, you know, one more whack at it to play for Sweden, to play with his brother, who is the captain of Team Sweden. Um, You know, it's a neat little story. And for him to win the gold, uh, you know, very cool. From a hockey point of view, I don't think it's that big a deal. It's not going to make Henrik Lundqvist a better goaltender next year or more confident next year. It's just a nice story. And he, you know, he's able to put a little exclamation point on his season. From a hockey point of view... I think it was a bigger deal for Oscar Lindbergh. He went over there, played quality minutes, top line minutes, top six minutes, played on the power play, and played very, very well for Sweden. So Lindbergh, who had kind of a weird year, uh, slow start coming off the shoulder surgery, found himself as the season went along, played much better the last quarter of the year or so, and then I thought was one of the Rangers' most consistent forwards during the Stanley Cup playoffs, is able to take that high, playing well in the playoffs, and then take it to another level with more responsibility and to help Sweden capture a gold medal. So to me, from a hockey point of view, from a Ranger point of view, Oscar Lindbergh doing that was a bigger deal uh, than what Henrik Henrik Lindquist accomplished. And fans chimed in here. You know, I put it out there on Twitter. Fans got to me almost as soon as Sweden won. And a large majority of them said, who cares? Oh, now Henrik wins. Now, oh, okay. Now he's got his championship. But, you know, we, you know, we got knocked out in the second round of the playoffs. And that was kind of the overriding theme. And then when I tweeted that out, I said, hey, wow, Ranger fans really don't care that Henrik just won here. Um, then all of a sudden there was a groundswell of support for Henrik Lundqvist and Oscar Lindbergh in winning that uh, gold medal in, in Sweden. Chris Wendeman, uh, for example, says, how as a Ranger fan can you not be happy for Hank that he won something? It may not be the Stanley Cup, but you have to cheer for him because of all that he's done for this organization. And Marina, at Marina1227, tweeted at me, says, 
I'm on the good for Henrik Lundqvist side. He showed the doubters. Good for him. Blue Blood got to me, said, uh, how can they not care, Ranger fans not care, about what may be Hank's last international play? He deserves better after all he's done for the team and the organization and the fans for so long. So, you know, that was kind of the groundswell that I got. And that ended up overtaking the original sentiment that, hey, who cares? But we had plenty of that as well. Whiskey Jack said, listen, had Henrik Lundqvist uh, fared half as well in Ottawa as he did in Europe, well, guess what? He wouldn't have even been in Europe. So that was a little bit of kind of the extreme angle of things at Ranger Proud uh, said, quite simply, Ranger fans care about the cup, not world championship medals and trophies. So uh, you fans getting your say on that. More importantly... I asked you fans, give me the Rangers on the current roster you want to keep. Who is it you want to see gone? And what guys not on the roster do you want to add to the team? And then I also said, hey, if you got a prediction, Game 7 Eastern Conference Final, Ottawa against Pittsburgh, who you got? And so you gave me those as well. And I mean, you gave them and uh, your predictions are there and your responses were awesome. And we're going to get to that a little bit later on uh, in the last segment of the show. We'll have a nice, long, expanded segment that we'll get to uh, as we hear from you, the fans, answering those questions. But next up, we're going to go back in time to 1994 and relive the Rangers Stanley Cup championship from 23 years ago with Greg Gilbert who was a member of that team, a three-time Stanley Cup winner, winning two early in his career with the Islanders and then winning that one as a veteran with the Rangers in 94, former head coach in the National Hockey League as well with the Calgary Flames, and right now an analyst on NHL Network Radio. Greg Gilbert is up next right here on Blue Shirt Radio. Blue Shirt Radio is brought to you exclusively by Blue Shirt Bulletin, the only independent monthly magazine covering New York Rangers hockey. Since 1991, no outlet has provided more comprehensive coverage of all things Blue Shirts, including locker room and game coverage, prospects analysis, minor league news, and exclusive features from those closest to the team, such as MSG Network's Stan Fischler and yours truly, Jim Cerny. Be sure to visit BlueShirtBulletin.com to subscribe today or check out their brand new app available in all app stores on all platforms and devices to take Blue Shirt Bulletin with you wherever you go.
Back here on Blue Shirt Radio, I'm Jim Cerny. Real pleased to welcome aboard a three-time Stanley Cup champion, part of those Islander dynasties, and of course, a member of the 1994 Stanley Cup champion New York Rangers. He is Greg Gilbert. Greg, thanks for a few minutes today. Thank you so much, Jim, for having me, and uh, it's a pleasure to be on. It's pretty cool to be introduced as a uh, three-time Cup champion, and then you played in five Cups overall, right? You lost one with the Islanders at the end of the dynasty to the Oilers, and uh, once with Chicago, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Oh, you're not mistaken, and thanks so much for those memories, too, Jim. I, I greatly appreciate those, and very, very heartbreaking, but... Uh... Yeah, tried to erase those from my memory, but thanks for bringing them up again. <laughs> so, you, you know, playing on so many great teams, those Islander teams, those great Hawk teams, you know, the year 93-94 with the Rangers, uh, you know, you were on so many teams that had success, whether they won a cup or night, not, so many successful teams. I've always wondered when a player has played for many different teams, different organizations, has had so much success like you had, uh, with so many teams that had success, if there was any one kind of theme that ran through those teams, is there a theme that makes a team a winner, or is each team just unique unto itself? Well, uh, I mean, it, it's a different era now, and uh, it is a different situation in, in what's going on. But, um, you know, when I broke in with the Islanders, I mean, that was my... That was my learning period, I guess. I, I learning how to win. I went through junior and I won one one uh, one playoff series. So, um, you know, we, I'd always been successful with the teams that I was on in in minor hockey. But going through junior and winning one round in three years, and then going to the Islanders and being drafted by them, I never thought that I ever had the opportunity to play. To be quite honest with you, with the lineup they had and the roster they had, so. But when I, I did finally get there, it was it was uh, an awakening for me, and it was learning from the the Gillies and the, and the Borns and the Draches, the Bossies, and it, you know not not only the forwards and Tonellis. I mean, I can go right down the list, but um, it, it was it was an eye opener for me and on what was expected day in and day out. Because in junior, when you're you know you're having success, uh, you know you think you're God's gift to hockey. When you get there and you see these people that have, have been through the wars and have won a cup, uh, two cups prior, uh, you're looking at them and you're trying to learn from them. And I had no idea, and I carried that experience through through all the years that I played after that. And I was uh, very fortunate to be a part of two cups with with the Islanders. But moving on from that, um, you know, I learned how to be a veteran and how to be a teacher and a mentor, and and new guys coming in and how to help them and. Uh, you know, moving on to Chicago, where we we had a great team. There's no question about it. We we were swept by Pittsburgh, but you know, I, I thought we we probably could have had a better fate. We had a great team. They were a great team, and they found a way to win. There's no question about it. But then, you know, you, you move on from that, and and you just try to bring that experience. And you know, I was fortunate to be picked up uh, and signed as a free agent with uh, New York when Mike was there. And that team was it just every night you knew exactly you had an opportunity to win. Like everybody, every piece was in place, whether it was from from Mess down to you know uh, Joey Coaster and myself and, and Sarge and and Ricky in the back end. I mean, everybody knew exactly what their their roles were. And you go into every every game knowing that there there was a trust there that everybody knew exactly what they had to do. And 
finally we, you know, uh, the Vancouver series was tight, but it shouldn't have been that tight. I think we lost some focus uh, in game, I guess it was game five back home, and uh, we had that opportunity. We lost the focus. Our, our focus was somewhere else, and went to seven, but ultimately in game seven, we knew going into it we were going to win. What? was that flight like back from Vancouver? I've heard a lot of guys tell a lot of different stories about the flight home after game six from Vancouver. Tell me the Greg Gilbert version of that. Well, the version was we're going home for game seven, and that's what we worked all se- all season for was to get that, that extra 60 minutes in our building and to find a way. And, uh, you know, we led wire to wire. We had all these expectations through the course of the year which we pretty much ignored. We knew exactly what we were, we were there for and what we were built for. And uh, our job was to, to get game seven. But like I said before, it shouldn't have gone that far. Uh, I think a lot of guys were, were, I don't know what the the polite word is, but I think a lot of guys were pissed that we were actually going to game seven. It should have ended earlier, and, and that's no disrespect to Vancouver. But our mentality was we, we expected we were going to, uh, take it earlier than we did, and we didn't, and now we're facing Game 7 going home. And uh, I think a lot of guys are really disappointed, uh, like I said, pissed off, and we knew it had to be done. And we put ourselves in this position, we have to come up with the answer. And, uh, you know, fortunately we did. It was a heck of a, heck of a series, a heck of a game, and a heck of a team we faced. And they didn't quit. We knew that wasn't going to happen. So now we are where we are. We put ourselves here, and uh, let's deal with it. You know, as time passes, and, you know, new Ranger fans come aboard, you know, younger fans, and they hear about the 94 champions, you know, there's usually that collection of names that you hear about. Mark Messier, Adam Graves, Brian Leach, Mike Richter. Those are usually the first names that get rattled off, the numbers that you see in the rafters at the Garden. The thing to me that I always... Uh, remember about that team that was to me was really special about that group no doubt you had the ultimate leader there in Mark Messier uh, but that room the leadership in that room along with Mark the Steve Larmers the Kevin Lowe's the Greg Gilberts the uh, Craig McTavish's Esatikinen's Jeff Bukabooms, guys with just tremendous resumes that uh, were tremendous leaders in their own right that I, you almost forget, or I certainly don't, but it seems that history forgets that, wow, what a tremendous group of leaders and players that can play in almost every single role were there. It wasn't just the top-end guys. I, I wonder if you could speak to that a little bit. Yeah, you know what? It, like I said before, uh, Jim, we were built to win. Uh, we had leaders in every area. I mean, you... You, you had the Joey Coasters. You had myself, who is, you know, played most of my career at third forest line. But, uh, you know, the Sergey Nemchinovs and, and the Mac Keys. And on the back end, you got Book and all those guys. I mean, every everybody in their own way was a star at what they did. And, you know, you had the mess. You had Larms and, and, and big game guys. There's no question. And Ricky in the back end. But, you know, Heels won some games for us. There were, were yeah. actual games. And, you know... Uh, Boot came up big in big games, and, and Dougie Lidster, and I mean, I'm leaving people out here, but, you know, we were built to win. We, we had leaders in every position, whether it was first line, your, your first power play, to your first penalty kill, to your third and fourth line guys that 
do exactly, exactly what they had to do. And that's what made that team special is we, we just knew we were there for a reason. It wasn't to compete. It wasn't to, you know, get so far. It was to win. And, you know, like I said, Mess was a, Mess was a great leader, great captain. There's no question about it. We had Leach. We had Doobie. Guys that were hitting their stride at the right time. And, uh, but everybody else was just as important. And I think inside that, that dressing room uh, to this day that the top guys felt that, you know, the, the third and fourth line guys or the, you know, the, the, the second and third line pairings in the back end or the backup goalie, whatever it was, were just as important as anybody else. And that's where, you know, I, I think we were above everybody else. Is everybody felt important. They had a role. They knew when to step in, what they had to do to change momentum in a game, to do what they had to do uh, outside of scoring a goal that made us special. Was We knew those guys were going to look after that part. Uh, it's our job to look after the other side. So, you know, going that's why I said, like, going into every game, it could be mess, it could be gravy, it could be it could be Joey Coaster, it could be Dougie Litzer, it could be Book. We knew going in somebody was going to do not something special, Greg Gilbert is our guest this week on Blue Shirt Radio, remembering 1994 and looking back on Greg's career as well. Of course, can catch Greg on NHL Network Radio as well, working there, doing some work with the good people there. Go st- sticking with 94, when the trade deadline came, now you, you guys were already a first place team, probably going to win the President's Trophy anyway, but the trade deadline comes. And you have this mass influx of new players at the end of the day and superstar players like Mike Gartner, uh, Tony Amante get, get end up, you know, traded at that time. If you can recall now, 20 odd years later, what was the reaction in the room amongst the players about such a big shakeup for a team that at that point had such a successful season already? Well, that, that goes up to management. I can't answer the question for you, but, um, you know those those guys you just just mentioned were like unbelievable players. They're great players. I mean, Gartsy's in Hall of Fame, and and Bones, uh, Tony Amati, was an outstanding player himself. And and you kind of look around, you go, and the thing is, is I played for Mike before, and Mike has built championship teams. Uh, he he gone to the finals with the Flyers. He knew exactly what he wanted, and unfortunately, those guys were. Maybe guys that he didn't want, uh, not, not so much want, but thought maybe replaced by other players. And then you bring in the Noonans and the Matos and, and the Larmers, guys that have played for for uh, Mike for so many years. Um, a, a comfort for a coach is bringing in the people that you know yeah. have been through the wars and had been through uh, those situations and maybe never won, but have been there. And they understand what it's all about. Gartsy, uh, God bless him, and he's, like I said, he's, he's a Hall of Fame player, and, and Bowen's the same thing, and, you know, some of the moves that were made, you, you kind of look and go, okay, well, somebody's got a plan, and here's the plan, and we have to move forward from it. Uh, with an experienced team, you, you're never surprised with what happens. It's how you adapt to what, what has happened, and, uh, you know, bringing Larms and, and Mats and stuffing those guys in, and Noons and, and Huddy and I mean, I can go right down the list. It's, it made Mike comfortable because he knew what those guys brought, and he, it made him comfortable as a coach. And as a, as a team, uh, inside the dressing room, you go, okay, we got to welcome them. We're moving on. We know what our goal is. 
and you're going to bring a part to it. So you adjust to it, you adapt to it, um, and that's just it's just the way it is. You're a player. Do your job. So you got to help me out here. I assume you're going to remember, and I'd like to think that you know, I'm pretty knowledgeable about that 94 run and uh, you know, certainly have written about it and, and talked about it and been interviewed myself about it so many times over the years. I'm trying to remember, and I can't come up with the game, so you're going to have to answer the question. I know you had a goal during that playoff run. I can't remember which game or which series it was. you got to remember. Was it really? It might have been the Islander series, yeah. Yeah, it was so it was early on then that that route in the the, the sweep in the first round. Uh could have been. And then uh who do we play after that? It was Washington. Washington, yeah. That could have been Washington. <laughs> it, it wasn't Vancouver, I remember that. It wasn't Vancouver. And I don't think it was the Devils, so <laughs> <laughs> you got yours in early. I remember running Stevie uh Scotty Stevens over in the in the Devil series. Oh I that, got him good. Now, now listen, that's as good, if not better, than a goal memory. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, speaking of memories. Kind of at the right time, and, and Scotty and I played junior together, and you know what, what a competitor and a strong guy and a, and a beast out there, but I know I caught him in the Rangers series. That <laughs> game it was, but I, I hit him good. You hear the grunt, you know you can hit somebody good, and that's, that was my, my purpose. That's a good feeling, especially when it's a tank like that. Oh, no question. I mean, he was, he was a bull. Like I said, I, I fought him in junior in, in Kitchener, and I think that's where I broke one of my knuckles on his forehead or something. But <laughs> it was a heck of a fight. But uh, boy, what a what a competitor and what a guy to play against! It was a lot of fun. Speaking of memories, when I talk to a lot of these guys, uh, you know, even to today, you know, Brian Leach has told me this. Mike Richter has told me this. Uh, several of the guys from that time have told me when I asked them. I know that there's, uh, you know, a bushel full of memories from that run, that season and that spring in particular. But when I push him, I say, if there's one, if there's one, so many of the guys default to not what happened on the ice or that moment when the cup, when it, when it finally happened, but it was the parade a couple days later and the millions of people that turned out on what was just an absolutely one of the most beautiful early summer days that, that we've had, you know, here in New York. I was wondering for you if, if it's the same for you or if there's another memory for you that stands out more, th- more than the others that spring. No, you know what? It, it was the parade, but, um, you know, my gratification was, was game seven. When, when it was over, it was done. And watching the guys that have been there before and have played so many years that had never had that, that experience, and I was fortunate to, enough to um, be honest with you, it's bringing tears to my eyes, that I was I was so young when I experienced that. These guys that have played for years yeah. that have never never gone through that and had that opportunity. Uh, the parade was phenomenal. I mean, you got people, you know, 15 freaking uh, stories up in, in <laughs> buildings that are standing on a ledge and they're throwing things at you and um, I mean that was that was unbelievable. But the gratification for me was watching the Larmers and the Toes and you know Ricky and and Mess has already been there and Gravy too. Uh, guys that have never been there and experienced that and had that opportunity to hold that piece of silver, and that's what meant the most to me. Yeah. 
I, I, one of the things I'll never forget, I remember being in that uh, side room. There was the locker room that was to the left, and then there was that more lounge area that was to the right. And, of course, it was all it was an open free-for-all for us in the media. Uh, and I remember, geez, it was a good hour after the game, and Dougie Litster is still in his full uniform. He's sitting there with his championship hat. And his eyes are all ready, sitting there with his wife on a, on a couch in there. And he just had this look of disbelief. And I remember Jay Wells, one of the toughest guys you run into. I remember him bawling in the same room in that lounge. Like, those were like the little snippets, you know, that I, that I pull out memories from that time. You know what, Jim? That's, that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. So I have one, one final question for you. And uh, it kind of brings a little more to the present. I know you've been working in broadcasting. You've done a lot of coaching over your career as well, obviously with the Calgary Flames at the NHL level, but a lot in junior and in the American League as well. I was wondering, is that something that you want to get back into? Is that the plan for Greg Gilbert or where are you at in in what's next? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I have a passion for coaching. I love being around the players. I love teaching them. you know, with, with skill development and, and understanding the game and, um, you know, helping them grow through the experiences that I've been through, and especially in the new game. Like, everybody thinks that, you know, because you're an older coach or what have you, you don't understand what the new game is. Well, I, I completely understand what the new game is, and I think what's happening in the new game is they're, they're missing the point. It, it's not turning people into robots. It's, it's training players and teaching them how to be able to think for themselves and, and enjoy the game rather than, you know, being one of those players on a table hockey game where you got a rod up your ass, pardon my language, but <laughs> and you're you're going up and back. And I think that's what what turns a lot of people off, and especially the players, off the game of hockey. It's an exciting game. It's a beautiful game. And it's a fast game. Um, and, you know, you adapt with the game as you go. There's no questions about it. But my passion is, is to coach, is to help people uh, become champions to, to, to help people, especially the younger players, uh, realize their dreams and get to the National Hockey League and experience what I had to, was fortunate enough to experience. And hopefully, win a championship one day and understand what it's all about. And you know, uh, the game is what it is. It's it's uh, it's a fast game. It's a beautiful game. I just want, uh, like I said, I, I just want to teach players not to be robots, but to be outstanding players and, and use their skill. Uh, get to where they want to be as a player and, you know, hopefully have success doing it. That's awesome. All right. 30 seconds or less. I lied. One last question. 30 seconds or less. Penguins, Senators, Game 7, put on your analyst hat. Who who, who heads to the Stanley Cup final? Well, I'm going to say Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh should have done it last night. I think uh, yeah. quickly. I think Ottawa was, was playing to survive probably the first period, period and a half, and then when they saw that uh, Pittsburgh wasn't putting the final nail in the coffin, uh, Anderson came through and won them the game, but I think Pittsburgh. All right, there you go. Greg Gilbert from NHL Network Radio, and of course, sharing great memories from that 94 Cup run with the Rangers, three-time Cup champion, and if I'm not mistaken, did you play your entire career never missing a postseason? Am I right in remembering that? That is correct, yeah. That is a pretty – I know there's some luck that goes with that too, but oh, yeah. that's a pretty cool thing to have on your resume. The year that I was traded from the Islanders is the year they missed the playoffs, and I went to Chicago and we went to the conference finals. <laughs> I was I was very 
blessed and, and thankful to get out of New York uh, with the Islanders because they were going in a different direction. But yeah. uh, I was blessed to hook up with uh, Mike Keenan and play for him for the next eight and a half years or whatever it was. So uh, great coach, great guy, and uh, I was very fortunate to play for him. That is awesome. Craig, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you so much for having me on, Jim. Great experience. Shirt Bulletin is the only independent monthly magazine covering the New York Rangers. Currently celebrating its 25th anniversary, Blue Shirt Bulletin features commentary from the hockey maven Stan Fischler, as well as current coverage from beat reporter Scott Charles and yours truly. In addition, Jess Rubenstein has you covered with all you need to know about prospects in the Rangers system. Blue Shirt Bulletin is published 10 times per year. For subscription information, please email subscribers at blueshirtbulletin.com. And don't forget to check out daily Rangers coverage on blueshirtbulletin.com, now including the Blue Shirt Bullet Points after each and every game. And don't forget to follow Blue Shirt Bulletin on Twitter at NYR Blue Bulletin. Here on Blue Shirt Radio, I am Jim Cerny. Thanks to Craig Gilbert for joining us, Sarah. That was that was really a lot of fun hearing his memories, and and he actually got choked up, uh, you know, recounting what that locker room was like and and celebrating the Stanley Cup with the New York Rangers in 1994. He actually got choked up. He said he got teared up, uh, you know, remembering. Uh, you know, the post game there and the guys that won the cup for the first time and guys like Jay Wells and Doug Litzer, that Steve Larmer, that were such veterans that had played for so long in the league with so much success, but had never won up until that point. Um, really great stuff there from Steve, uh, excuse me, from Greg Gilbert. Uh, so we thank him for joining the show. All right, now it's about you guys. All right, I know we've done a lot of promoing of this, but I asked on social media, I said, you know, give me the give me the players you want to most keep, uh, that you most want to get rid of, and guys not on the roster yet that you want to add to the New York Rangers. And the runaway winner, and I mean runaway winner, the guy mentioned most often as the player that you want to keep is Brendan Smith. Now he's an unrestricted free agent. Rangers picked him up at the trade deadline, of course, of course from Detroit. And to his credit, he played left side, he played right side on defense, he played with pretty much every defenseman there and every pairing you can imagine, but really took off in the playoffs, partnered with Brady Shea. And I agree, I could see that being the Rangers' second pairing next season, because Brady Shea's going to get a heck of a lot more responsibility, and I think Brendan Smith is going to be right there along with them if you can get the right deal done. I just don't say sign Brendan Smith 
for whatever he wants or for whatever the term is. It's got to be the right deal. But if we're talking between four and four and a half million a year, I think that's fair. It's probably going to probably be around four and a half. Four years, I I really don't want to go past four years. I don't know if that's possible. Is there a team out there that's going to get Brendan Smith more than four years? Give him five or six? I'm not sure he's on that level. So the Rangers, I think, might be in a good spot here to re-sign Brendan Smith. But certainly that is what you, the fans, want. Uh, Lisa Massey, I think, speaks for a lot of people when she tweeted me, keep Smith, love the guy. Uh, John DiMatteo uh, took it a step further. He says, Rangers need to sign Brendan Smith. He can skate the puck out of danger or pass it out. He's multi-skilled. He plays with bite. Plus, the Rangers gave up some assets to get him. Sign him. And I think I, I think he, he hits all the check marks there with Brendan Smith. And yeah, you, you got to factor in that you gave up a second round pick and a third round pick to get him. Um, I think this is a guy that Jeff Gordon is is really going to target and is targeting right now and wants him back in the Ranger red, white, and blue next year. Uh, Steve D says, keep Smith. And hey, if you can add Cam Fowler as well, that would be make for a perfect summer. Uh, at NY Rangers 68 takes it a little different direction, says keep Smith and add Kevin Shattenkirk if he's not too expensive. Now, and that leads into one of the other questions that I asked, which was, which player outside of the organization do, the, do you want the Rangers most to acquire? And the runaway winner there was Kevin Shattenkirk. So despite not such a great postseason, those two rounds with the Washington Capitals, he didn't really distinguish himself. I didn't think he was great in the playoffs for Washington. Uh, But he's still going to get term, and he's still going to get money. He's going to be the most sought-after free agent defenseman out there this summer. We know he's a New York guy. He's a Westchester kid. We know he grew up being a huge Ranger fan. It would be a great story if he came here. And listen, I think as a Ranger fan, you'd be happy if Kevin Shattenkirk uh, is, is an acquisition or is your main acquisition during the summer. I'm not so sure, and I said this the last couple weeks, I'm not so sure he's going to be a Ranger. I think the Rangers may retool in other ways with their blue line. It just may be too much money and too long a term. He's probably going to get six, seven years. Six years for sure, right? At what? Seven million a year? More? That's a lot of money. Rangers have been burned. And I, I know Shattenkirk's a different type defenseman, and he'll get that power play going or should you know, be the power play quarterback, uh, take that pressure off Ryan McDonough and Brady Shea. Uh, I know he's a different guy from Dan Girardi and Mark Stahl, who got long-term contracts from the organization that they're now saddled with. And I know he's a, a better player, a different player than they are. I'm just not sure you go six years, seven, seven and a half, seven point eight million, if that's what it goes up to for Shattenkirk. Certainly the Rangers have to kick the tires. Certainly the Rangers have to consider it seriously. Um, but at the end of the day, I, I, I'm standing by this. I don't think he's going to be a Ranger. In any case, you fans said that's the guy that you want the Rangers to go out and get more than anybody else. And you know what? I'll continue down that list. And we'll keep circling back and and hearing the fans' commentary here. Um, Far and away, 
Shattenkirk was the guy that Rangers fans want the most. Second on the list is Justin Falk, the defenseman of the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, He was second on the list, but way behind Shattenkirk. And of course, you'd have to trade to get him. Now, Carolina does have quite a few good young defensemen there, but Falk is the centerpiece. I I don't think they're trading him. I've heard arguments from people in the business that say, Carolina, you know, they've got Hannafin and some of these other kids coming along. They could afford to trade Justin Falk if they can get some scoring depth up front. So, you know, I don't know, JT Miller, Kevin Hayes, Chris Kreider, Derek Stepan, you know, whatever. I don't know who that would be, who they might have interest in from the Rangers. I don't think Carolina's going to trade Justin Falk, but he was second on the list from Ranger fans who also had a couple other defensemen on their wish list. Jacob Truba received quite a few votes. Matt Dumba received quite a few votes. Um... And again, these are trades that you'd have to make. So is there a fit? You know, to, again, it probably would be forwards going the other way. So we're talking about that same group again. Do you, are you willing to part with Chris Kreider or Kevin Hayes or, you know, Derek Stepan if a team was willing to take on that big contract? Um, but those are the ones that you have out there, uh, you know, that you're interested in, in, in uh acquiring, knowing that it'd have to be a trade. Uh, Some other defensemen mentioned, uh, Cam Fowler, who I mentioned, Sammy Vatanen. Dougie Hamilton was mentioned by a couple fans as well. And one fan mentioned Duncan Keith. Uh, That's an interesting one. I think if you're right on the verge of winning a Stanley Cup, maybe you try swinging that kind of deal. Um, But I don't think Chicago's uh, trading Duncan Keith to New York. I don't think the Rangers are looking to pick him up. I think they want to get a younger defenseman, a more of a puck-moving guy. Not that he's a bad puck mover, but a younger puck-moving guy is what I think the Rangers are looking for. Someone said, didn't give me a name, but said a number one center. Uh, a couple people mentioned Ryan Getzlaff. I don't, you know, I think Anaheim is going to make some moves this offseason. I don't think Getzlaff is going anywhere. And uh, we also had a fan who suggested Justin Williams from the Washington Capitals. And that's an interesting one. Again, I think you trade for Justin Williams like Washington signed him a couple years ago because you think he's the missing piece to winning the Stanley Cup. Um, So I'm not sure he's a fit for the Rangers. He's older. Yeah, he still scores. He's probably at this stage an 18 to 22 goal a year guy. His real value comes in the postseason. You know, certainly he could have been a value to the Rangers in the postseason. But look, Washington had him two years in a row in the playoffs. And, you know, Justin Williams himself did not get them over the hump. And they were knocked out in the second round uh, for a second consecutive year. Uh, One other one, John DiMatteo throws this out, and he says, if the Rangers lose Antti Ranta in the expansion draft, what about Steve Mason, who will be a free agent this year, the former Flyers goalie, having him come in, play 30, 35 games behind Henrik Lundqvist, really take the load off Henrik, a guy that's been a number one in this league, albeit wildly inconsistent throughout his career, both in Columbus and Philadelphia. But it's an interesting name. It's not a name that I've heard fans or other people mention uh, in regards to the New York Rangers. So John DiMatteo saying Steve Mason. Again, if you're a Ranger fan, I think you want Auntie Ranta to stay. And I wouldn't be surprised if there's some 
side dealings going on with Jeff Gorton and George McPhee as Rangers try and you know keep certain guys on their team, which leads us to the second list that I asked you about. And again, follow me on Twitter at Jim Cerny. And, uh, you know, I'll be throwing these questions out and all different types of questions during the offseason to get your feedback, which, again, we'll continue to share on this week's show and throughout the summer. So who are your keepers? Well, Brendan Smith topped the list by far. Then the next group was right down the middle. Same number of votes for Oscar Lindbergh, Jesper Faust and Michael Grabner which I find very interesting because Rangers have to decide who are they going to protect, who's not going to be protected, who will they make a side deal with Las Vegas about. Uh, If they want to keep all three of those guys, they're going to have to side deal something there. Um, They're probably going to lose one of those players if they don't do one or more multiple side deals. Uh, Auntie Ranta is also somebody the Rangers want to, uh, the Ranger fans want to keep. And maybe a little bit of a surprise because he was also very high up on the subtract him from the roster, delete him from the roster list that you fans sent me. Derek Stepan. Quite a few fans want to keep Derek Stepan uh, this year. So it's uh, you know, it's interesting. And we'll get to that list as well, the delete list. Let me get to some of uh, the responses from the fans here. And it, they kind of morph from, oh, I want to keep him. I want to acquire him. Let's subtract him. But at Darned Sock says, keep Lindbergh over Faust. If you got to lose Faust in the expansion draft, so be it. He sees Lindbergh as the more valuable guy. He also adds, try and deal Michael Grabner. I don't totally disagree with that theory. Grabner going into the final year of his contract, you know, very, you know, workable deal for a team getting him, you know, what, a little more than a million and a half this upcoming season. He had a great year last year. Is he going to approach that kind of season again in 2017-18? We don't know. It's an unknown. It would be a risk trading Michael Grabner. He was terrific in the playoffs. He had a great regular season. He surpassed everybody's wildest, you know, hopes. Even Jeff Gordon's and Alain Vigneault's, I'm sure. So it'd be tough to trade him. And he fits into that room. He's a leader. And again, played real well in the playoffs. He was among their most consistent players. But do you trade high now? Maybe he helps you get that young puck-moving defenseman you want. I... I I liked at Darn Sox thinking here. Uh, he also adds buy out Dan Girardi, try and deal Mark Stahl if he can do it, even though he's got a no movement clause. And then he says, give more responsibility to the remaining defensemen, uh, Nick Holden, Brendan Smith, who you'd have to re-sign, Adam Clendenning, who you'd also have to re-sign, and Brady Shea. Uh, at Tom Welsh 20 says, I want to see the team keep Lindbergh and step on while adding Kevin Shattenkirk. At NY Sports 66 says, got to keep Auntie Ranta. Can't trust Henrik Lundqvist over a full season. Could get hurt. He's getting older. He was up and down last year. Who knows? Um, and he feels he's Henrik's been on a steep decline. So at NY Sports 66 says, got to keep Auntie Ranta. At Capo 640 goes the opposite way of at Darn Sock. And he says, got to keep Michael Grabner. He's got to be the guy that stays. So it sounds like he's more than willing to let the younger guys maybe go in Faust and Lindbergh. 
Uh, he also says, can we trade Stepan for Dumba or as part of a deal for Matt Dumba? Again, that would answer you know, one of your you know, big question marks there on defense. But then you got to fill the center role up above unless you think Oscar Lindbergh now is ready to be a top six guy or to be that third line center, move up from the fourth line and have Kevin Hayes be your second center behind Mika Zibanejad. Uh, Allison Ivey especially, uh, says, especially after we saw what he can do with the Worlds, Lindbergh must be protected, ideally with Foss. So again, who do you not protect? Because you got to protect Nash, no movement clause. you got to protect Kreider, right? Unless you trade him. Uh, you know, ditto for Hayes, ditto for Miller. Um, Zibanejad, of course, you got to protect and, and step on. You know, unless you think that that con- contract's too onerous, Vegas wouldn't take Stepan. I-, I think you're dead wrong, um, because if they see Stepan out there, they're they're going to take him. It's going to be their, probably the best player they could get. If you're going to lose Derek Stepan, you better get something back for him. So how do you protect Lindbergh unless you make a side deal, of course, uh, with George McPhee in Vegas? Uh, Allison also says, we must acquire solid defense. They are vital. And uh, at Good Times, Eric asked, do you think Lindbergh is worth protecting in the expansion draft or will uh, Vegas probably take Ranta again? I would slide back to what I've been saying. I think there's got to be some sort of side deal here. Um, But the Rangers are going to lose a good player. Grabner, Lindbergh, Faust, Ranta. Somebody's got to go, right? So we'll see where that goes. What players do you want off the team next year? Who's top of the list? Well, on the the votes that you guys sent in, Derek Stepan headed up that list. And that's coming off, obviously, you know, an okay regular season. Not a great one, not a terrible one, an okay one. And certainly uh, a very, very subpar playoff for Derek Stepan. Fans that stick it in their craw, not happy about it. So Stepan was the top of that list. Right behind him was Mark Stahl. And then a kind of a grouping together, separated by a couple votes, were Dan Girardi, Kevin Hayes. Boy, a lot of people down on Kevin Hayes, who started the year so well, his third year in the league. Started out so well with with, uh, Miller and Grabner. And then kind of leveled off, didn't finish strong, and then really was not a factor in the postseason. Uh, Certainly not in a positive way. And fans also throw in there, hey, love to subtract Alain Vigneault as the head coach. It's not happening, but Ranger fans, I asked them for their wish list, and that's part of their wish list. A little bit lower on the list, uh, Chris Kreider's name pops up, Kevin Klein's name pops up, and then some random votes here for Rick Nash, Nick Holden, Tanner Glass, uh, Brandon Peary as players... um, that the fans would like to see go at Bretzky. Bretzky says, here's my plan. Buy out stall, dangle step and haze. See if you can trade one or either. Whoever gives you more in return, sign Kevin Shattenkirk, resign Brendan Smith, let Lindbergh be the third center and sign a fourth center. Somebody also mentioned, and I forgot to mention this about adding somebody. Somebody said, bring back Brian Boyle to be the fourth line center. Not a bad thought. I think Brian would be open to that. 
at this stage of his career. By the way, congratulations to Brian Boyle, one of the all-time great guys that I've dealt with in this Ranger organization. Uh, He and his wife just welcomed a second child, a baby girl, just the other day. So congratulations to the Boyle family. Uh, Tommy Wick says, here's my gone list. Stahl, Hayes, Kreider, if you get rid of those guys, and again, keep in mind, Stahl's got a no-move clause, all right? So that's not going to be so easy. But if you can move these guys, especially Kreider and Hayes, it should give you a good return. At Andrew McCord says, trade Hayes. Sophomore slump in 2015-16 showed glimpses early this year. Abysmal playoff. Please move him. At NYR Nation 1 says, fire AV. Trade step on. They're both horrible. And finally, uh, let's see. We'll go with uh, stats over grits. I'd love to see a swindle Columbus, considering John Tortorella is still there and might miss his shot block, shot blocking junkies. I guess he's referring to Girardi and Stahl. Listen, they got themselves, they're building themselves a pretty good young defense in Columbus. Uh, I don't think Dan Girardi and Mark Stahl are heading there. All right, real quickly, this past week on social media, I also asked you, we're heading to Game 7, Eastern Conference Final tonight. Uh, Pittsburgh Penguins and Ottawa Senators. I asked you, who's winning Game 7? Who's going to the Cup Final to take on the Nashville Predators? And it was a tight vote. But you fans did go with the favorite, the Pittsburgh Penguins, to win tonight on home ice and advance to their second straight Stanley Cup Final appearance. Uh, by the way, looks like uh, possibilities, game time decisions, Patrick Hornquist, Justin Schultz, uh, and Connor Sheary, if they could get one or two, if not all three of those guys back, and they're healthy enough to contribute, not just come back and play, but be contributors, boy, that'd be a big lift for Pittsburgh. But anyway, uh, so you fans said Penguins over the Senators. Uh, two of the best predictions I got. Ryan Kendall says Stone, overtime winner, Senators win. And then at Agent Smith 212, just simply said, 7 nothing Senators. Wow. That is going out on a limb. I think if there's a blowout either way, it's going to be a Pittsburgh blowout. I don't see a blowout. I see Pittsburgh winning this one 4-2 on a home ice and going on to play Nashville. But we'll see what happens. We'll check it out tonight. And certainly by next week, uh, I'll have some... Kind of big news, certainly personally for me. There's going to be some big news to announce uh, next week. Hopefully, I'll announce it next week. We'll also talk about the Stanley Cup Final. Follow me on social media, at Jim Cerny. I'll have more questions. Seek your questions and comments, and we'll get to that next week as well. See what kind of question we come up with, drum up for you. And I have a special guest on the show as well right here on Blue Shirt Radio. And to that end, thanks to Greg Gilbert for joining the show today, really classing things up, to say the least, talking about that 1994 Stanley Cup championship. So enjoy your week, Ranger fans. Have a great Memorial Day weekend. Have a lot of fun. Be safe out there, and come join us again next week. Cheers.